And now, welcome to Like a Boss. Insights with influencers, creatives, online entrepreneurs, and badasses like you. Here is your hostess, Heather Havenwood, Chief Sexy Boss, helping you rise to the top. Have you ever wanted to stop the nine to five grind and start your own company? Do you want to have more control of your income and your time? Then now is that moment to start and grow a successful business. As a female entrepreneur, I have succeeded. I have bit the dust. I have bounced back to growth and prosperity. But this would not have been possible without first taking the leap and owning my own business. But I didn't do it alone. I hired my first business coach 13 years ago. And now I help small businesses, solo practitioners, and professionals double their income and triple their time off. So let me help you too. My gift to you today is a free one-on-one strategy session. So go to coachwithheather.com, coachwithheather.com, and let me help you double your income and triple your time off. Are you a coach, consultant, small business owner, or online entrepreneur? Do you want to significantly grow your business, triple your list, and double your sales conversions? If the answer is yes, then launching a podcast is the next step. You see, being an expert in your field, having a website is no longer enough to be noticed in today's marketplace. I call it the influencer effect. Being an influencer is the key. You see, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And having your own podcast helps people to connect with you. If you're interested in having me help you launch your own podcast, grow your influence, and promote your business, then go to InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. That's InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. And let me help you rise to the top. Hi, everyone. Welcome. My name is Heather Havenwood and welcome to Like a Boss, helping you rise to the top. Okay. So today I have someone on the line. This is going to be a super interesting conversation and it may touch on some emotions that you may or may not have, which is called women working with other women, as well as women rising up in the workforce today, especially accounting, law, financial services, and academia. I think it's a very powerful conversation that we don't sometimes have. We always have the stats around it sometimes, but we don't have a conversation around it. And this is not a political conversation, nothing like that. This is just truly an open dialogue conversation with an expert in her field. So let me introduce you to Andy. And Andy Kramer is a partner in the international law firm of McDermott, Will, and Emory LLP, one of the 10 best big law firms for female female attorneys. Excuse me. Andy was the founding chair of the firm's gender diversity committee, and she has served on her both her roles. I'm sorry, she has served on both her firm's management committee and compensation committee. In these roles, she became deeply concerned about the disparities in the pace an extent of women's and men's career achievements. So along with her husband, she's actually written a book, okay? And the name of the book is Breaking Through Bias, Communication Techniques for Women to Succeed at Work with her, with, and like I said, with her husband, Al Harris. So thank you for being here, Andy. 
Thank you very much, Heather. Glad and, to be here. And I apologize. I botched your bio a little bit. I'm, as I said earlier in the green screen, I'm a little sick. So things are, aren't 100% clear for me today. So thank you for uh, being so uh, patient with me. And I apologize if I botched it anyway. Not a problem. Okay, so I really want to have this conversation, Andy. I love the fact, first of all, I want to acknowledge the fact that you and your husband wrote a book together. That's really unique within itself. So first of all, shout out to your husband, Al. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him know. Right? Well, shout out to Al over there, because I think that does say a lot about where we're at today, about having many times women support men in writing a book, and sometimes the women do write half the book, but they don't get their name and they actually co-create together. And that's, I just want to acknowledge that, that that's being done today. So, and that's part of our conversation. So let's start at the beginning. You obviously are a successful um, lawyer within yourself, but I, I have one question about your buyer that I thought, let's go there. And that is the one of the 10 best big law firms for female, under, uh, female attorneys. What do you mean by that? Well, there's studies that are done all the time about who's the best at this or who's the best at that. And um, uh, big law firms in particular get a, get a negative rap about not supporting and advancing women in the, um, up to senior management. And so we've worked very hard to get ourselves positioned to where in um, uh, a recent study, uh, they looked at big law firms and the statistics and concluded that of the big law firms that our firm was in the top 10. So we we're very pleased with that. And years of work. Years of work. And so what, let's, let's talk about that for just a second, because this is like on the court kind of a case study here. When you say that uh, the, this law firm is very good at top 10 and with female um, attorneys. What does that mean? Meaning, is there a larger percentage than the norm that are partners and junior partners? What does that mean exactly? What have you guys focused on? Well, the it's unclear exactly what each study, they're all sure. different. But for this one in particular, the questions would be how many women uh, are advanced to senior partner levels? How many are on important firm committees? How many are office heads? And so um, from the statistical level, that's really the kinds of things that they're looking at. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. That, that completely, I just was curious what this kind of the things that they were focusing on, you know, how many partners, but I, let's start with this, some stats that you and I talked about in the green room, which is the percentage of women that are either executives or in your case, attorneys, partners or junior partners. Let's talk about some stats, generally speaking across the United States of stats of female executives. Can you talk about that for a second? Well, it turns out that um, although law is not one of the best uh, uh, practices uh, or professions uh, for women, mm -hmm. uh, it's not really very different from many others. So that what we see is that there's very few women that make it to the CEO level yeah. in most organizations. And women though start their careers at the same place as men. In fact, women can get out of school with more degrees and more accolades. And yet when they get into the workforce, um, something happens, whether it's uh, immediately or five, six, seven years out. And so what we found is that a lot of what is going on is that there's gender bias 
in the workplaces which affect women's abilities to succeed. And so whether you're in an entrepreneur or a lawyer or a CPA or, a, a, you know, an Indian chief, it's going to be the same um, issues that happen in, in American workplaces. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so, okay. The big question I have on the table, I think everyone, I'm just going to ask because that's my podcast. It's my show. So you get to do what you want. I get exactly. I can do what I want. Right. I'm the boss. Okay. So thanks for the reminder today. Since I'm not feeling well, thank you. Um, I think one of the things I, I see, and I'm not in a big company and I'm definitely not at a big law firm. And so I, I give huge kudos. What I see over and over again is that women kind of hit this wall. You know, they hit a wall around junior, what I call junior level management, and they just can't seem to go that extra mile. And I don't know if where that uh, responsibility lies. I think it res- falls on many things culturally, of course, an executive team and whatnot. But where do you see in your experience and what you are um, focusing on with your book and your new book we'll talk about, what do you find the biggest challenges are today? Well, what happens is when women get out of school and they start in their careers, very often they believe that the world and the corporate world and the business world is a meritocracy. So that all you have to do is put your head down and do a good job. And that's really what women think. Unfortunately, boys who grow into men, by the time they're three, four years old, know that they have to be nice to the t-ball captain if they want to get put on the t-ball team. And so by the time they're in their careers, they are very comfortable navigating more of a political environment. Women were not trained or socialized to do that. And so that's one of the problems. Uh, Another issue that comes up is that because we all have stereotypes about women and men and leaders and home and work and family, that women are perceived, expected to be, and punished if we're not viewed as kind and sweet and nice. Let me stop you there. Yes. Sister. Um, I've talked about this many times, but I love the fact that you and I are having open dialogue about this. I've talked about this on the show a lot about my upcoming book, Unapologetically Fierce. I've talked about, I just want to add to this is that I know for myself, I grew up in a Southern home with a beautiful mom, a Southern mom. And I was taught at a very young age, about, you know, six, first grade, second grade, which you're about six or seven or so at that time. And you're taught very first day, right? Raise your hand to go to the bathroom and raise your hand to ask a question. And the girls are rewarded by the parents and the teachers to be good little girls. Oh, she's so nice. Oh, Heather's amazing in class because she's so sweet. It's just so easy to deal with. I was, I remember that one. Yes. Right. Right. And then the boys who's rambunctious and like hitting the desk. Oh, well that's okay. That's what boys do. Boys. It's okay to be rambunctious. And we are rewarded as females in general to be nice and sweet and loving and never cuss and all that stuff. Right. So when we grow up and the world isn't that way, I think that's a really key piece. I want to add to that your next piece that we can go into later competition. I was in cheerleading or whatnot. Oh, wow. And, yeah. yeah. And cheerleading is cutthroat. It's cutthroat. It's cutthroat competition and not in a good way because t-ball and football, it's cutthroat, but they have to team. They have to have the team to go beat the other team. In cheerleading, it's cutthroat throat within each other right it's like it's like a, it's sure. like a, someone being the same company and women being the same company and they're killing off each other meanwhile the 
the men are like helping each other build and grow. Right. So right. what do you, what do you say to either one of those stories and, and how is that intertwining today's corporate world? Well, a couple of things to respond first to the, she's a nice girl. Heather's a nice, she's great to have in my class. When our daughter came home from uh, fourth grade, uh, she's in one of the, she said, Mr. D hates the girls in math. Well, we know that one of the key things that girls are told is that they're bad in math. It turns out statistically and from the studies, they're better than the guys. It's just that they think they're not as good. So the kid, our kid comes home, says, Mr. D hates the girls in math. So we had a parent-teacher conference, and the next day we go to school and we say to Mr. D, hey, Charlie, who do you call on in math? And he said, I only call on the boys. They are so disruptive that the only way I can keep control in my classroom is to call on the boys. So Al says to him, well, have you ever thought about how the girls might feel about that? And he, his eyes got wide and he said, no, I never did. Next day, he's calling on girls. So it, the message that he was sending by only calling on the boys was that the girls are not good in math. He didn't want to get them involved. Right. And so so the, the, the socialization starts. Well, he would have called on me and called on the girls if he thought we were good enough. And she thought that that was what was happening. Yeah. And so part of the problem is that if we behave nice and kind and sweet, people like to have us around, but they think we're stupid. And so one of the issues is... What can a woman do to display competence and confidence and I know what I'm talking about without having everybody's hair catch fire because you're acting in a way that is out of stereotype and you're too masculine or you're too bossy, which is right. what girls get called instead of leadership roles. Yeah, they're too bossy or stay in your place or stay in your lane or I love the fact that this great example of math. First of all, I have a minor in math. I love math. It wasn't until I got to college I allowed myself to even be good at math because I didn't have all the negativity of social norm. And so right. I just like really started to fall in love with it. I was like, this is so much easier than biology. Um, and I, I, right. I was like, this is great, man. Um, cause I, I figure out problems, you know? So anyway, I, I have a minor in math and I have a minor in physics and I probably would, if I had known what I do now, I probably would have got a major in it and I would have gone that route, but I was not encouraged. I was encouraged to do things like, Oh, you're a girl. You should do like accounting or, you know, or like become like a CPA maybe. And then if you really want to you can be a, a social science and I was actually, I wanted to do economics and I went to a professor. I was like, I really want to do economics. And he literally told me women don't do economics. Now I wish you Looking back now, I would have been great on Wall Street. I was like, but no one encouraged right, me. Right, right, right. I would have been a killer on Wall Street. I think I would have had a lot of fun. I think it's a really important piece. But how can people listening to this show going, hey, this is great. I mean, I'm helping my daughter right now. But how can I, I hate to use the word fix, but what can I do now in, to, okay. in my career, you know, to like, how can I move through. Okay. This. All right. Well, a couple of interesting things. And that's yeah. really what in our book where we do the conversations with yourself is to, to be able to talk to yourself about why if you, to, to reach for the stars, to reach for what you want. But in interacting with other people, 
where if you're dealing with somebody who is biased, like your professor who said, no, you don't want to do that for a career. You know, that's just not appropriate for you. Um, when you're dealing with somebody like that, uh, you can try to change their mind, you can ignore them, or you could confront them. And so you're presented with, in every communication that you have with somebody, you're presented with the opportunity to decide how you're going to relate to them. And so one of the things that we tell our readers and in our workshops we work on for, for women is that you decide what's your objective? What do you want to accomplish? If you want to get to the next level, what is it going to take? And it might take you needing to dial up some of your, you do this and you do that, and we're going to meet at five o'clock and discuss it. Or it may force you to dial some of that down where you are a little more communal. The word you mentioned community at the beginning and the stereotypes about women are that we're supposed to be communal, which comes from community. And that we're supposed to worry about those sorts of things. And men, the stereotypes about men are that they're agentic, which is, comes from the word agency, where they're going to get the job done. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. I'm independent. I'm free thinking. And I'm going to solve the problems. Really interesting to me, though, about men that I've really noticed in the last couple of years of my life is that men are extremely supportive of other men they are really good at that team play thing again. Right. You know, if they were on T-ball or baseball or soccer or whatever, they are taught. You might not like that guy next to you. He's your teammate, you know, and when you do better, he does better. And we all come together. Um, and it, and they're taught that at a young age, they have rotary and a lot of men's clubs that sure. I actually was grew up in. Um, the other day I was at breakfast or early in the morning in Dallas at 7am and I looked across the, this cute little cafe and near downtown Dallas. And I would say 95% of the people were in there were men who obviously was like a business meeting. They were sitting across each other and they were having conversations. They were all like in some kind of business attire and they were all like talking and having conversations about whatever business or whatever. A lot of them were like, Oh, it's good to see you. I could hear that. And I thought, wow, <laughs> Where's the women business doing that? Where, 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 where's that? And I know, so I think that that's a great conversation. I'm not asking you to fix it all right now, of course, Andy, but what, what in your book and what in your newest book with your husband are you doing to help, help that or solve that? Well, it really goes to your point previously about the cheerleaders, <laughs> which is that if you're on a team and there's a hierarchy, yeah. there's a team captain and there's a this and there's a that, and then everybody else is just going to do their job, is very different from the cheerleading situation where there's one star and everybody else is going to be working for or performing but behind the star. Yeah. And so yeah. we're, we don't get as, as little girls and young women, we don't get the same opportunities because we're not encouraged to play the kind of team sports. Women are encouraged to do team sports like running or something where you're competing against yourself, basically. Um, and so that's part of it. But the other, pro the other part of it is that the gender-biased workplaces allow men to support each other. 
because there's always room at the table for one more bright guy. There's not always room at the table for one more smart woman. So that what happens is if I've worked so hard to get this spot and then you come along, if I take you under my wing, what happens is you get my spot in many organizations. It's not as if, well, there's one more, there's room for Heather too. Come on, Heather, join us. And so our second book that we're working on about women working with women is trying to address some of the very issues that come out in the context of the cheerleading example Mm -hmm. and the breakfast where the men are meeting with each other. What can women do to help ourselves and help each other? And a lot of it is because of the workplace bias. And so the working title that we have on our new book, which obviously can change, is It's Not You, It's the Workplace. That's, a, you know, so I have to, this, by the way, I love that title. I think that's really great. Um, I have to share, my sister works for Visa. Uh-huh. Um, and she's in a very tech space. So she's um, high in tech. So she's product development, she's tech. So she got the math and the, the science stuff yes. that you got to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both did. Um, and she shares with me sometimes, they have a headquarters in San Francisco. She lives here in Austin with me. And she talked to me at <laughs> one time. This is, that was all the time she's so used to. But when she first started the job, she's like, Heather, I walked into our offices and for three floors, this particular building, three floors, was all the tech. I was literally the only white woman in three floors three floors, only white woman, not the only woman. There were some Indian women there, only white woman. Every, just like every time I go into a meeting now, I'm the only white woman. Like it was this weird, like I'm the white woman, you know what right, I mean? Exactly. And I was like, exactly. and she's like, I'm constantly dealing with this totally different culture, you know? And I, it's, she's navigating through that and whatnot. It was just an interesting conversation. She's like, never, she's dealt with IBM and she worked at Dell and big, big companies, but being the only white woman, which is this weird, like, oh, you're a white woman? She's like, I'm a white woman. It was like, very strange. Like, I didn't know that. That's strange. Because um, it's a culture mainly of in India, right, culture. So um, it, just in that particular niche, right? And so it's this whole other conversation of not only being a woman and then being this white different. woman. Different. Yeah, I don't know. what That was all weird. But then there's a whole culture. India has their own culture around women right? Yes. Dealing with that as well on top of the corporate structure. Well, that's referred to as intersectionality, which is that when you have a characteristic or a social identity, you actually have additional ones. We all do. So the two of us talking to each other were both white women. Okay. But if I was African-American or if I was Indian, now we have different intersections of different stereotypes. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the stereotypes about women being kind and nice and sweet, those are the stereotypes that are applied across the board to white women. Uh-huh. If I'm a black woman, then the stereotypes about me are going to be that I'm aggressive, I'm angry, I'm in your face, I'm, but the flip side of it is I'm, I'm, I'm mammy. I'm going to be from gone with the wind, whatever you want, whatever uh-huh. I can do uh-huh. to make your life comfortable. So there's that tension. And in Indian families, the women in their careers are very well um, 
advanced and, and respected, but at home, very often, they're, they don't even have a seat at the table. They feed the right. food and then they eat, you know, I'm, somewhere else. Friends, right. Parents yeah. never, the moms never sat down with them. And so in that situation, your sister's dealing with people who have different cultural identities mm -hmm. and yeah. gender identities yeah. and so she has to navigate those things and those are actually topics that we're discussing in um it's not you it's the workplace do you have any stats about that while you're you're it sounds like you're reading you know you're researching right now you're reading it do you have anything that you can share more about stats around that or things that you're working on well what we found is that um uh in particular, white women don't understand how much harder it is for women of color to succeed in the workplace. So your sister's in an interesting position where mm -hmm. she's in what's referred to as the out group. The in group is whoever's got the most people, basically, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. majority. So she's in normally an in group person is right. in the out group in her in her workplace um, and so the statistics show that it it's much harder for out group people because they try so hard to identify with or be included in the in group and obviously it's her talent that's going to allow her to be you know welcomed in and the you know modern workplace encouraging uh teamwork and and and, and whatnot but there are there aren't any real statistics about um it, well the statistics that we do have is that as bad as it is for women the percentages that we started with where i said that maybe five percent in ceos at the most and and uh in senior leadership positions maybe five um 10 to 20 percent um, when we look at african-american women they're not even two percent and so the opportunities for them to advance become harder because they're the assumption from the stereotypes is that obviously there aren't senior black women because they're not competent and so they have to prove over and over again <clears throat> how competent they are. Women have to prove over and over again how competent we are. They have it worse. Let me ask you a question because that's a really interesting piece about proving your worth, right? That's a really big conversation. Uh, the Mighty Book, Unapologetically Fierce, Stop Asking for Permission. You know, that, I'm really kind of going down that road of permission-based piece um but that proving of your worth is just if not the same if worse right which is kind of a level of asking for permission um <coughs> proving the worth is just challenging are you what are you finding as ways to help or solve or guide women to say oh my god i'm tired of proving my worth here or okay, I got to prove my worth. How do I do that, Andy? Like, how do I do that in such a way where I don't lose myself and that I actually win? Well, there's a, 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 a lot of pieces to that onion that we're just, um, that you just uh, uh, presented here. But one of the key things is that very often because we're trained 
and socialize to be kind and nice and sweet and not bossy. We don't own our accomplishments. So that as a starting point, women have to get to the point where they're willing to admit and acknowledge what they've accomplished and what they brought to the table. That's the first thing. So I'll give you an example. I got started in the whole area about gender communication when I was on our compensation committee and I started reading the self-evaluations and a man would write a self-evaluation. I'm a total rock star. I climbed to the top of the Empire State Building. I circled around. I found the way to rescue 20 damsels in distress on the way down and I saved the client $500 million. The woman who had come up with the idea that saved the client the $500 million would write her self-evaluation saying, I'm on the ABC team and I worked with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and our team saved the client $500 million. Well, who do you think is going to be making more money, Heather? I know the answer to that. Yes, you do know the answer to that. So that's the first thing that comes up. The other thing is that very often women don't get the same opportunities as men. So one of the things we need to do is we need to be aware of that. We need to be reaching for the stars. We need to be raising our hand to say, I would like that project. And if over and over again, you don't get the project because they think that it's inappropriate for a woman to have that job, right. well, then maybe it's time for another career change or to make a move. But very often, if you say, let me try, if you ask for it, it's harder for people to say no to you. You know, it reminds me of a story, a couple of things. I, I have a coach who said to me once, never stay where your presence is not valued. Wow. That's a, I mean, it's a big one, right? Never say it is absolutely a big one. And one of the things I found interesting um, recently, and this is a true story and I don't share this often. I'm part of a, I was now, and I'm, this is why I'm bringing it up. I was part of an internet marketing uh, event and for 10 years, very supportive of the person running it as that team, pardon me, right? Supportive. And I invite people and 10 years every single month. So I was very involved, right? Enjoyed going. It was very social for me. I met some great people, but they had this thing every, they have an event every month and they have a big speaker and they bring in some really amazing people. And I, one, I noticed it was rarely rare that it had women. And I said some things over the years, like, Hey, you really have an opportunity here to, um, you have the opportunity here to really bring up women. And you know, he did what he did. But the next thing that this was the killer, and I'm pointing it out because I don't think men get what it means. When I went up to him years ago and said, hey, there's no women here, he took it as a complaint. What I was trying to say to him is like, hey, you're the leader of this group. You have an opportunity to really bring some women up and give them confidence and say, hey, we want to hear from you too. Like, you have this amazing opportunity, right? Anyway, he did what he did. But here's my point. So I was there at this event, and uh, every event they have, they have what I call think tank before, like that day okay. before. And they, he handpicks 10 of his best buddies. That of course. They, right? And they get to like basically talk to the speaker privately for like two, three hours. I was in, his, in a private conference room. 
they do it all the time. And I'm never invited. I've, you know, it's been going on for years. And finally I said something publicly on a Facebook page, like, Oh, look, it's a broke club, like shocked. I just said something like that. Right. And I got inundated with a lot of negative stuff from the, from the guys. I've actually had people unframe me over it. And then, um, when I was there next, the gentleman who runs it came up to me, he was inebriated. So I'll give him that, but he walked right up to me and he said, you know why you're never invited to the think tank? And I said, no, I, I, I don't know. He goes, you have no value. This is 2018. This is two months ago. I was right. like, wow, this is a person. I was like, wow, wow. You know what I mean? Like, really? This is my industry. I've been in for 10 years. I've you supported don't have you. I have helped you. And I got to say, was I angry? But that really, as a woman, that hurt a lot. Of course it did. I mean, it hurt. Now, what's so fascinating about that, I mean, I was like kind of taken back and had all these guys come up, like pull him away from me. I wasn't mad, but they all pulled him away from me. And they all looked at me and said, he didn't mean it, Heather. They backed him. They didn't mean it, Heather. And I said, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Gaslighting. Yes, he did. And I actually want to thank him for doing that because he finally said what's true for him. And he actually said what's been in the room for 10 years and now I know my presence is not valued and I'm done. Well, you're going to do so. You're going to take your time and do it in a way that's going to be more valuable and respected. Yeah, and but it, women, really, that happens to women every day in every workplace. And does. very often they're not told. They just get excluded. They get excluded and you know it, you can feel it. I mean, I got I've been excluded for years and years and years and years. And then I said one thing and it wasn't even like mean. It was just like, oh, look, it's the boys club. Like, oh, there's, right. Oh, look, there's pink curtains. Like I would just said it like a fact. And I got blasted publicly on social media first. Right. And then I got blasted privately with in front of some people. And I thought, I thought to myself, this, and we're all independent, you know, so we're under no corporation veil. Sure, sure, sure. But mm-hmm. I thought, wow, if I'm getting that in this small community and I proved my worth for 10 years, I can't imagine what it's like in corporate. In- well, that's why women leave. That's why women leave their career, leave their, leave their firms, leave their companies because they hit their heads against the wall. And finally they say, I'm just not going to take it anymore. And so in our book, what we try to do is we try to give you some options as to how to deal with it. You know, you don't, you're never going to wait 10 years again. Um, but it, but, but you, you learned an important lesson, which was that when he said that to you, the guys told you he didn't mean it, but they didn't turn to him and say, what are you talking about? She's amazing. And that's the problem. The problem is that they support each other in a way that makes it very hard and they'll make you feel that somehow there's something wrong with you that you even thought that in the first place. And that's the old movie Gaslight where the woman is her, she marries this guy and he wants to get her committed to think she's crazy because he's running a criminal operation in their house so he would turn was before they had electric lights he would turn the gas lights up and turn the gas lights down and then and tell her that nothing had happened so that she would be experiencing things and she would be told 
that she was imagining it to try to make her go crazy. And that's, we have a blog about gaslighting on our, on our uh, website, on our website, because that's something that happens to women all the time. Oh, you're, you're really overreacting or he really didn't mean it. Or don't you have a sense of humor? Yeah. Oh, that, oh, and you know, it's been three months now, actually not two. Have I gotten one phone call from the boys club saying, where have you been? We, you know, we've missed you here or anything or, Hey, what's going No. Well, they, they close they ranks. Yeah. Right. They close ranks. Yeah. It's it. And it's the unsaid that I know that they closed ranks and I, re, you know, and it's one of those things where I was there on the very first day of the very first meeting 10 years ago with 10 people and I've supported it. And it's, and so it's, Again, it's not about me. It's about understanding. No, but it's the dynamic. It's the di- it's the social dynamic we're talking about, and that social dynamic is so embedded in that it's 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 like women are up against that kind of thing. They're up against that, and I'm I'm a pretty powerful person, and so I'm I'm a pretty brass person and bossy person. That's why I don't do well in the world. But it's a good I mean, word, I'm, by the way. I'm brassy and bossy and like what you know, and so I found it really fascinating. But the fascinating piece that was so interesting on a social dynamic psychology level was how all the men everyone said to me he didn't mean it didn't mean it but backed him and they completely cut me out and I thought that tells you what's happening in today every day day." you know and, and they say things like well if you get more valuable you can come to the tape come to the think tank if you make it, you make three, you know, more millions than these guys, well, then I guess I'll consider it. So it's that conversation like, well, there's not really room at the table for a girl. That's just more a woman. It's more of like, let us know if you can even try to get at the seat of the table. And then we might find a spot for you. Well, that's the problem with bias, which is that no matter how much um, the studies show that uh, I'll give you an example of one, which is that some um, scientists, science professors, were sent a resume, and half of them received, thousands of them, and half of them received a resume that had a man's name on it, and half of them received a resume that had a woman's name on it. And they were asked, who would they hire to run the, uh, a laboratory, to be a laboratory uh, leader, you know, whatever, technician, head of the lab, um, and a lab supervisor. And the men and the women professors would give the job to the man dramatically more than they would give the job to the woman. And if they agreed to hire her, they would offer her less compensation and agree to mentor her for less time than they would agree to mentor the man on the grounds that he had more potential than she did. Their resume was word for word identical except for the name that was on the top. And so what we're trying to do in our book and in our workshops and on our blogs is not to get women to feel discouraged, but to acknowledge that you're not alone, which is an important point because you're not, what happened to you is just one example, a day in the life of any woman. And so it's important to know you're not alone. That's sort of the importance. Information becomes powerful. And the information that you get by understanding what the stereotypes are and the biases then allow you to say, here's my checklist and here's what I want to accomplish today. 
And the very first thing on the top of it is I want to get what I want. And if what I want to get what I want is going to require me to ask for it, is going to require me to own my own, uh, you know, own my own accomplishments, is going to require me to at some point say, you're gaslighting me, I'm out of here, then all of those things are important because you have to keep in mind that you're the one that you should be worried about your own career and how you're going to succeed. And you can't let the stereotypes and the biases that other people have define who you are and where you're going to go with your career. Well, Andy, we're out of time. We could probably talk about this forever. Probably. Um, I, yeah, we could. At least I, I could. Yeah, I, I could too, completely. I have so many stories. But I just want to give you an opportunity to share about your current book, upcoming book, and where can they find you? Okay. Well, our current book is Breaking Through Bias, Communication Techniques for Women to Succeed at Work. And it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore. Uh, and um, uh, our book that we're working on now goes to the publisher January 2nd. And so it'll be out next year. Uh, it is, um, uh, the working title now is, it's not you, it's the workplace. But if people would like to test to see how they would handle potentially gender-biased workplaces, we have an assessment on our website. We have lots of blogs. We have a newsletter that comes out. And so people could visit us at www andyandale.com and that's spelled a-n-d-i-e because that's the goofy way i spell my name and a-n-d-l-a-l so a-n-d-i-e-a-n-d-a-l so that is basically your name and your husband's name al so that's right okay so andy and al oh that's cute i like that that's super cute andy and al a n i e and a-N-D-A-L. Okay. I love that. That's super cute. I couldn't figure it out. I was like, how do I say this URL? Andyandal.com. I love it. Well, go check that out, andyandal.com. And then uh, on Amazon, what can they type into Amazon? The name of the Just book? Just Breaking Through Bias, uh, Communication Techniques, or they could type in Kramer or Andy or Andrea, um, and they'll find it. Breaking okay. Through Bias. Great. That's awesome. Thank you so much for what you're doing and what you're up to and what you're creating for women around the world and here in the United States. I just want to say thank you for that. And uh, it's a conversation that I think that more and more people should have, not just women, men right. too. Um, I think it's an, a, an unsaid conversation that needs to be said. Even me sharing about this story here on my show concerns me. I mean, I said one little blurb on my story, you know, and I got, uh, so I, it makes me nervous to speak out and say, Hey, this isn't right. This isn't okay. It's not okay. You know, and this is inside my company, you know, it's just right. a, an org. It's just a community. It's not really even my job. So I just wanted to encourage anyone listening, any woman out there, you know, it's okay to stand up. It's okay to say, this isn't working. I don't like this. This is done. I'm not, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. This doesn't work anymore. Uh, so thank you for what you and your husband, Al, are doing. And go check them out at Andy, A-N-D-Al.com. Yeah, oh. A-N-D-I-E. A-N-D-I-E-A-N-D-I-L. Okay, got it. Okay. 
It'll be in the show notes at heatherhavenwood.com. Yes. Perfect. And Heather Havenwood on Amazon and Alexa. So go check it out now. This is heatherhavenwood.com with Like a Boss. See you for now. Are you a coach, consultant, small business owner, or online entrepreneur? Do you want to significantly grow your business, triple your list, and double your sales conversions? If the answer is yes, then launching a podcast is the next step. You see, being an expert in your field, having a website is no longer enough to be noticed in today's marketplace. I call it the influencer effect. Being an influencer is the key. You see, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And having your own podcast helps people to connect with you. If you're interested in having me help you launch your own podcast, grow your influence, and promote your business, then go to InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. That's InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. And let me help you rise to the top. Have you ever wanted to stop the nine to five grind and start your own company? Do you want to have more control of your income and your time? Then now is that moment to start and grow a successful business. As a female entrepreneur, I have succeeded. I have bit the dust. I have bounced back to growth and prosperity. But this would not have been possible without first taking the leap and owning my own business. But I didn't do it alone. I hired my first business coach 13 years ago. And now I help small businesses, solo practitioners, and professionals double their income and triple their time off. So let me help you too. My gift to you today is a free one-on-one strategy session. So go to coachwithheather.com, coachwithheather.com, and let me help you double your income and triple your time off. Thank you for listening to Like a Boss, helping you rise to the top. Join Heather's Mastermind at InfluencerTribe.com, where she helps you become an influencer and dominate your field. Follow Heather Havenwood on Instagram. Interested in interviewing or scheduling a call with Heather? Go to CallWithHeather.com. For more, go to HeatherHavenwood.com.